I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's, it's so real to this day. I, I I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? (laughs) We did it guys. One that came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. This episode of Spaces Podcasts is supported by Twin Motion and by Section Cut from our friends at Monograph. You'll hear more about them later on in the episode. Hello! My name is Demetrius. This is Jason. Morning, everyone. And you are listening to Spaces Podcasts Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. Jason, we have a guest with us today, all the way from Prague, Czech Republic. Um, can you draw? Can I draw? Yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm pretty decent. Oh, you are? Yeah, I, I actually used to draw on sketch a lot. Okay, by the end of this conversation, you're going to be able to draw like this. Perfect. All right. So today our guest, he is the founder and creator of uh, Sketch Like an Architect. Please help me welcome David Drazel. <laughs> David, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for the invite. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. So you have a, a tall task in front of you. You have to teach us how to draw like you do in the next 20 minutes. <laughs> Got it. No problem. <laughs> so David, tell us a little bit about Sketch Like an Architect and what you're doing there. Right. Thanks. Sure. Sketch Like an Architect is a project of mine that I started like four years ago, four and a half years ago, when I was actually unemployed in Copenhagen, so being a fresh graduate, an expat, uh, looking for a job as an, as an architect in Copenhagen. So uh, one way to put it is 
that I've had some some spare time on my hands <laughs> while I was trying to get a get a job. But um, it, it actually started with a little bit of frustration from my university studies in, in Denmark, where I, I get a lot of feeling, a lot of big sense that hand sketching, the traditional one, analog sketching and everything that comes with it, you know, the natural connection between our minds and our hands and how we actually leverage that in design and presentation and how we communicate and iterate ideas as architects, it, it was very much underappreciated or it was not actually taught anymore. And I could see it in my peer groups that people were not very often in any way taught how to draw and what was the consequences of that in their communication skills, in their design and presentation skills, in communication within a group. You know, so um, I've had a lot of drill and I went through a lot of drawing courses back in, in Prague where I studied my bachelor's program. Uh, I loved it, actually. So, so I, I thought I, I saw great opportunities and benefits for how I actually used it in my own design process and how I use it as a tool. So the very origins are about bringing back these values of hand sketching and, and putting them back to the position where I believe they belong, even though we are in the 21st century and we are so focused on all the great technology and BIM and 5D BIM and virtual reality, augmented reality. And I love all that. Believe me, I, I do. But I still believe there are some great things that we, we can take from you know, traditional art, hand sketching, hand drawing, and doing it in analog way. So with the Sketch Like an Architect project, I'm trying to bring back some of these qualities, benefits, and educate more on this topic because I think it's been really overshadowed by technology in the last few decades. So that's that's kind of the mission for the Sketch Like an Architect. David, the name Sketch Like an Architect almost implies that non-architects take it as well. Is there a little bit of a goal for that in mind? Um, not, not intentionally. I'm not going to like say that everything was thought through from the very beginning. It was not. I thought it was, it's, uh, I like that I, the name because it's long. It's long. I don't like that it's long. It's too long. You know, <laughs> sketch like an architect.com. It's really long name. But at the same time, right away, you kind of know what it's about and what's, what's the goal in mind. But yes, you're right. It's like when I talk about target audiences, it's not purely and only for architects and designers, but very often for either neighboring areas, including civil and mechanical engineers, but also hobby sketchers like urban sketchers, for instance. So the impact the project has uh, have been like, more spread it and, and in, in different areas, in, in different target groups, both in professional way and, and non-professional way. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's been fun. And that's been just something that I kind of came to understand and, and that I have learned on the way as I've been sharing a lot of content about sketching and trying to educate and, and kind of inspire in, in that area. So I, I learned that it attracts very different groups of people. Obviously, architects and, and professionals and designers and, you know, landscape architects, interior designers, 
and and everyone within that kind of AEC industry, but also it touches people who just like to draw architecture and just like to draw. You know, they want to sip a cup of coffee on Italian plaza, you know, and, <laughs> and just enjoy the time and capture that feeling, that atmosphere that they are having, and capture it on a paper or in their sketchbook or even with watercolors and and stuff like that. So it's kind of broad audience. Yeah. I joked earlier uh, about Jason and his drawing skills, but mm -hmm. in all honesty, I mean, it makes sense. Like Jason, for you being in the field all the time and mm -hmm. talking with people about, you know, how cabinetry is going to go in, how that design should be, why things don't fit or should fit that ability. Like you said earlier, David, that communication and being able to put down on paper and make it understandable it's huge i mean whether it's whether it's cabinetry a lot of times when we run into this it has to do with like um like a shower shower mm -hmm. details right um and how i want certain things to meet together and i literally have to dimension out curves and seats and all this other kind of stuff so they can see how i want things to intersect um, a lot of people don't have the ability to do that or even when i'm saying here's how this specific piece of material needs to fit together um and i can do you know i i'd love to draw I can see three dimension in my mind and put it on paper, which I understand a lot of people, you know, not perfect by any means, but a lot of people can't do that. And when you seem to not be able to communicate something to somebody just via vocal conversation, but then you put a piece of paper down and draw it. Oh, you know what I mean? Like everybody automatically just understands exactly what you're talking about. Even if it's not perfect, then they can really ask questions because now they are starting to get a, you know, a little bit of an eye into the mind of what you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. So it's a huge, huge difference huge difference very valuable 100% yeah david i actually went cuz i i can draw but i can't sketch like you do i don't have that understanding yet of the perspective and how shadows hit certain areas and really getting that angle and look to certain things so i went out and bought your materials and i know you had a book come out uh on the 10th uh the 100 Oh. See it behind him there. Yeah, what's the full title? Hundred buildings and yeah, it, it's also a long title. Uh, <laughs> yeah. it's my it's my first like traditionally published book, and it's from a book series that is called Draw Like an Artist, and kind of the subtitle goes like Hundred Buildings and Architectural Forms. There you go. Yeah, uh, thanks for mentioning that. It it came out just yesterday so it's very very Good fresh day. it's been beautiful like one and a half years of of work with a major u.s publisher and yeah th that is a little bit different from my first two books which are around sketch like an architect and they are more kind of educational it kind of walks you through certain uh, certain chapters this is basically a visual reference where i drew 100 most iconic buildings, structures, towers in the world in a step-by-step -step manner. So you can follow it and you can see how it was drawn from the beginning till, till the final result. So you can, you can follow it along. Yeah, it's a very cool product. Um, when you're sketching, can you talk a little bit about sort of understanding space through the because the process of sketching is also exploratory. So you're trying to figure out about, you know, how things are going to look, how they could work. Can you talk a little bit about that exploratory process and understanding the space and 
the feel of how that space is going to look or even the exterior. Yeah. I think this is so important point that you've touched upon. And what I'd like to start with is there are basically two ways how to approach sketching and drawing within architecture. In both ways, it's a tool, but in one way, it is really for exploring my own mind, my own ideas, figuring out the design and being quick, fast, rough, kind of dirty sketches that I need to just, you know, put my ideas on paper in some way, even for myself to start understanding the problem and then go on and try to solve it, right? And it applies for, yeah, interior view, but also for layout of an apartment, right? But also for construction details or as as Jason mentioned the examples. So that's one way when I try to really explore and put on a paper what I have on my mind. And I think for architects, from from my experience, from practice, I think there's like at least 80, if not more percent of the time that we use sketching in that way to really develop and yeah, make progress in our designs. And and the, let's say 10 to 20%, sometimes it's more representational or, or presentational when I'm trying to really explain something to somebody else and communicate that idea as clearly as possible, right? So it's a lot about effective visual communication. So it would be kind of easy for me to say that I teach sketching and drawing, but what the underlying levels are, it's basically about clarity of visual communication. So how do I want, how do I make it so that when I sketch something, you understand exactly what I mean by that sketch, you know, and, and that's something that Jason touched upon and it's so useful. It's very practical on, on meetings with municipality, with contractors, subcontractors, with whoever other professions that we have in the industry. And you're on a meeting and you just sketch out that solution, that kind of the part of the detail, and you are suddenly all on the same page. You don't need to open your notebook. You don't need to, you know, open your 3D program. It takes ages. <laughs> we all know that. So just sketch it out real quick, get a tracing paper, roll it over some, some drawings and kind of open a dialogue more than, hey, this is, this is how it's going to be. It's an AutoCAD drawing. Everything's precise and <laughs> we're going to build it like this. But hey, no, just catch it on top of it and open more of a dialogue in between the parties than just one-way communication. So I think that's, that's the real beauty of, of sketching in our industry, that it's such an essential skill and tool that should be still kind of in the forefront of, of our everyday toolkit. You know, you know what this kind of reminds me of um, is the auto industry. And, and I'm not saying every every automobile, but you have like, I don't want to call them specialty vehicles, but I'm a huge Corvette guy. So I remember when they were designing the Corvettes and stuff, like it, it all starts with sketches on paper, freehand formation, and it, and it really follows the arts, right? I mean, you could do everything on computer and stuff, but they sketch it by hand. They look at it from multiple angles, sketch it again, then go to clay. You know what I mean? So they can see like a full representation. What people don't realize when they see those things, they actually clay out the whole interior too. Like everything gets done. And it's very, um, 
it's a very tactile, very um, connected approach, right? Which I think is one of the things that you lose. And for you guys as artists, because you're architects, right? I'm just a dumb construction guy. The the <laughs> there's there's that emotional connection when you're when you're literally you know taking your mind's eye and 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 grafting it onto something as opposed to doing a bunch of clicks and pulls and all these other kind of things. So I think for the artistic side of it, which is what you guys are really referring to, right? It's it's a totally like different feeling and experience being able to put pencil to paper and sketch and kind of let those emotions go with it, if you will. But it reminds me a lot about the auto industry and how they deal with those things. Yes. Well, it reminds me what you've just said. And I think it's highly relevant that the emotional part and also kind of the state of flow that yeah. we can get into by using our hands in design. And it can be scale modeling. It can be hand sketching and drawing, yep. but we more easily get into the state of flow where our really creativity and problem solving skills are at its peak. So we're in completely different frame of mind, completely different mindset than, as you said, Jason, than when we sit by a computer, we have a keyboard, we have mouse, mm -hmm. some user interface, and we focus on where to click. What does that tool do to help me achieve what I actually try to achieve so that's a completely different mindset than when i go use super simple tool like pen or or pencil and draw on a piece of paper so that kind of flow that we get into and the result obviously is very different from when we when we use something yeah like autoget or or whatever other programs and i'm not against it it's just understanding that the tool that we are using really influences the result and what kind of state of mind we get into. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. As you know, here on Spaces Podcast, we explore how external forces shape the built environment, which is why we love what the architecture firm Shao has done with the microlibrary Fibonacci in Kolom Park, Indonesia. The microlibrary is designed to coexist with nature all around it. You'd almost miss it if you weren't looking for it. But initially, Shao struggled to get the project approved. So the company turned to real-time ArcViz tool Twinmotion to present the design to clients, placing the structure within the context of a lush green park. This directly led to the design being signed off, and Florian was one happy customer. In his own words, he said, quote, with twin motion, there's not fumbling with settings, then pressing render, waiting, and reiterating until you're happy with the result. The changes appear directly on screen in real time, and the exported image or animation looks like what you've seen before. No surprises. To download your exclusive free trial, head to twinmotion.link spaces. That's twinmotion.link spaces. Section Cut by Monograph. Monograph is building a community of like-minded firm owners and operations leaders who are looking for solutions that align with their firm's values. On top of that, Monograph is building the only cloud-based practice operations software built exclusively for architects by architects. Monograph's easy-to-use and beautifully designed software allows you and your team to know, in near real-time, whether you are on pace to deliver a project on budget. With Monograph, you and your team can plan project schedules, budgets, role assignments, and team members all in one place. The best part of Monograph? It doesn't require a degree in finance to use. 
To experience the difference today, sign up for a free trial at monograph.com. And to underscore their commitment, on August 12th, Monograph will be hosting their first ever virtual conference. It's called Section Cut. This one-day event brings firm owners, operations leaders, and project leaders together to learn from success stories and workshops, all with the goal of improving their business. Reserve a seat at Section Cut today by visiting sectioncut.com. This question has been thrown to you about, and people are probably wondering when they look at your drawings, what uh, what types of pen you use, what type of paper. And I've heard you say it doesn't matter. So I don't want you to rehash that that question, but what does matter then if the tools don't necessarily? Yes, there's got to be a favorite right. pen. There's got to be a favorite pen or something. Like I have these pens that I love to use. <laughs> like they're really good for drawing or for making notes. Other ones are better for other things. There's got to be something. No, uh, what I think what's more important is kind of the higher principles, the higher visual principles, like understanding what I'm trying to achieve here. Am I sketching just for myself or is it to communicate that idea to someone else? And who is that someone else? And it would be very different if I talk to you, to another architect, talk to someone on the construction side or try to create a sketch for architectural jewelry. There are all different people or just you know, uh, our clients who are non-professionals in our area. It has to be kind of have that intention in mind start with the end in mind right is is what they say so have that intention first also understanding and learning all the visual principles starting from composition from design principles how to actually compose a good image what makes a good image you know what makes a good meaning effective image so it makes you see what i want you to see right talking about composition structure focal points and this kind of stuff which is a little bit more advanced than getting your hard skills down you know actually learning how to operate with whatever tool you're using and getting those first line improving line quality and something like this so i think the more advanced and kind of more important higher level is this kind of stuff composition design principles intention, focal points, what I want the viewer to actually see and understand from my sketch or drawing, or, you know, it can be applied to whatever tool. It it can be even digital sketch, digital painting, concept art, visualization, photography. Some of the same artistic and visual principles still apply. So that's, that's in my opinion, what matters most then, hey, what what kind of brand of pen am I (laughs) using, you know? Yeah. And I think it applies from your quick and dirty sketches. The same concepts apply from the quick and dirty sketches all the way up to mm-hmm. your your high quality presentation drawings that you do. Yeah, for sure. So um, I saw recently you posted a uh, comparison of a, a sketch 2010 to 2020. And it's a drastic difference in, in quality. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about your routine to get from 2010 to 2020? Wow. You know, 2010, I was applying to architectural schools, universities here in Prague. And I studied for six years and I kind of developed some relationship to sketching as a tool. And then I 
worked on it further when I was more focused on educational content around that architectural sketching and its importance. So there might not be a routine per se, but what was the main development was a little bit of, yeah, learning the, the basics, really going from, from scratch, like almost. I was very open-minded when I entered the architecture school and they started to teach me drawing in their way. So I was like, okay, I'm tabula rasa, I'm open book, keep it coming. And I, I was very open-minded to that and I'll, I tried to adapt their style. And, it, you know, there were many other people who were much better back then at, at sketching and drawing from more artistic point of view. And maybe the style that there was, it was taught at university, it really didn't fit them. So they struggled a bit and maybe developed even a bad relationship to sketching and drawing because of that. Luckily, it was not my case. I just was, okay, just, just teach me how you do it and I'll go from there. So I think one of the most important things that I developed was a habit of sketching pretty much every day and incorporating even things like warming up before sketching. You know, so we keep, we kind of need to keep the muscles to remember the movements, the motions, and, and be still on the ground with everything we do with pencil. So very often before I do a workshop or before I, before I do a presentation sketch or something that should really look good, I usually do some kind of warm up. So I draw long straight lines, I draw circles, I draw ellipses, I just fill a number of pages. Uh, to just get warmed up before before sketching. To many people, this might be surprising. Like you warm up before sketching. <laughs> you warm up usually before any kind of sports activities, right? But also singers, they do warm up before any performance. So I think it's it's very similar. Just warming up and developing that habit of sketching, just even for a few minutes every day, and getting back to it more as a okay. I want to understand something better so let's sketch it out so one way to think about it is yes as we talked sketching something that's on my mind that's actually quite complex to do uh, but usually the first steps are observation sketches right i try to replicate something that i see in front of me or from a photo reference so that's where we start usually we develop the hard skills and then we learn more about composition and design principles and how to compose an image. And we are more equipped to actually put our own ideas on paper. So we don't have to rely on any external reference. So it's, it's, a, it's a long, long journey that I very slowly kind of undercovered or explored. And yeah, recently it's been more about going digital and using digital and you, tools like Wacom tablet and Photoshop or iPad uh, and different apps on there. So it's always shifting and there's always something more to learn. And what I really like, and maybe that's, that's kind of final thought for, <laughs> for uh, this long sequence. When we sketch, when we try to draw something, we always learn. If I try to sketch something that I see, I need to understand that object first 
or that scenery first in order for me to be able to actually sketch it and draw it correctly. So I think that that's another very beautiful element of sketching that it's, it's part of learning process. It's part of seeing, it's part of understanding what's either out there or on my mind. Great. Thank you so much, David. Really enjoyed the conversation and having you here. Um, I think everybody should run out and uh, at the very least check out your website. You have tons of freebies on there so people can kind of get familiar and, and uh, glean some, some, uh, a taste of what you're sharing, but definitely get uh, your books. You have PDFs, you have the full books, you have your new book. So where, what's the best place that people can go and, and find out more about you? Yeah. Thanks so much. Uh, definitely my website, sketchlikeanarchitect.com. And I'm also very active on, on Instagram, where we have a beautiful community of more than 200,000 people, fans of sketching and architecture. So uh, I hang out there very, very often and try to share some tips and tricks almost daily. So yeah, Instagram at David underscore Drezel. And I'm also starting a YouTube channel. Uh, so you can find me by my name on YouTube as well. So yeah, it would be it would be great to get in touch and connect with whoever is listening. Thank you so much, David. Thank you for joining me again, Jason. Thank you to the listeners for listening. We will talk again next week. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to Twin Motion for their support of this podcast episode. Don't forget to visit twinmotion.link slash spaces today and try Twin Motion for free. Thank you to Monograph for their support of this podcast episode. To reserve a seat at their first ever interactive virtual conference, visit sectioncut.com today. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G A blmedia.com If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. 
In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK, the three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.